Good morning. I'm Rob, and one of the pastors here. It's great to have you with us today. And uh, you'll notice that we have our baptistry here, and in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be having baptisms again. And I just wanted to say, if you have been here in the last number of weeks when we've been having baptisms, and the Lord has been speaking to you about being baptized, and when you hear the testimonies and you see someone and you just, something in your heart speaks to you saying, you know what, it's time. I've made a commitment to Christ, but I've never been baptized. It's time. And you would like to have a conversation about baptism. We would love to do that. You're not committed to anything. You're just committed to having a conversation and learning more. And so you, there's a tab in the seat in front of you. You can fill that out and um, hand it to us at the Welcome Center or give it to one of the pastors or call the office. We would love to have the privilege of just having the, the conversation with you. So that would be great. A welcome to those of you watching online this morning and a welcome to those of you who are listening this morning uh, through our translation machine as well. How many of you have ever said something that was memorable? You're standing around talking at a party and you say something and everybody around you takes out their phone and says, I, I think I'm going to tweet that. That is really memorable. <laughs> maybe you've said something that was memorable, dumb. And you said something and maybe a brother or somebody was standing there with you and when they heard what you said, they've remembered it. And they love to remind you every week what you said and why it wasn't that smart. Maybe you've said something that was memorable, but it was hurtful. Let me share a story with you. A few weeks ago, I was grumpy. Now, my family sitting here today will say, a few weeks ago, really? Just a few weeks ago? <laughs> I'd been running around all day, and I realized all of a sudden that I needed milk. So I rush into the store. It's about 8.30 at night, and I grab a basket, I throw some milk in it, and then just as I'm working away, I see a few other things I need, and so I've got a, a basket full of items now, but I'm in a hurry. And I slam them down on the counter, and I start putting them on the conveyor belt, and they're going through, and then I see a sign. Cash only, debit not working. <laughs> so then I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to figure out, I've got $12 cash. So I'm thinking, all right, well, I can get the milk, and I can get this and this, but does this have tax on it, and this doesn't have, and I'm an arts major, so I'm trying to add up very small amounts of money, <laughs> and it's not going very well. And then I realize, I get, I get the items, I think I can afford, it goes to the till, $13.25. <laughs> so I go back over my list, and I'm rearranging things again, putting them back on the conveyor belt, and at this time, I feel it necessary that maybe I should make a statement to the cashier. And I say to her, how hard it, can it be to provide such a basic service as debit? Two weeks later, it's Friday. I'm on my day off. It's sunny out. I've got shorts on and flip-flops. I'm going to have a burn, a sacrifice on the barbecue that night. So I said, well, I'm just going to go grab something, some food. So I go to the grocery store, looking through some items, load up my basket. I get in line, start putting the items on the conveyor belt, and I realize that it's the same young lady at the till as it was two weeks ago. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me in that moment and reminds me and replays the story of what I had said to her a couple of weeks earlier. So I get to my turn, and she says, hello, how are you today? And I said, good. I said, look, you know, two weeks ago, 
uh, I came in here and the debit machine was down and I growled at you and I wanted to apologize for that. I realized it wasn't your fault <laughs> and you'd likely been growled at all day long and you don't deserve to be treated that way. I'm sorry. And you know what she said to me? She said, yeah, I remember. <laughs> the verse I want us to look at today comes in Matthew's gospel and it's, it's, it goes like this. Out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 12. We're gonna start reading at verse 22. This passage, even though it is themed around what comes out of our mouth, raises all kinds of other issues which we're going to have to go through in order to get to this verse. So if it looks like we're kind of going off to the side a little bit, it, we might be, but we're going to come back because all of the things that we kind of go and visit and talk about are related to this issue that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me read for you Matthew chapter 12, 22, and we'll read through to 35. Then they brought him, and this being Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him. And gave him the ability to talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Remember, there's four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is written primarily to a Jewish audience. And Matthew is trying to convince and to convert his Jewish brothers and sisters that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that they've been promised and the one that they've been waiting for. And so when he heals this man, the people start asking, could this be the son of David, which is another way of saying Messiah? But the Pharisees, who are kind of like the religious political people of the time, heard this and they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will, be, will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. We'll come back to that. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of him, uh, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil 
stored up in him. There's a lot of stuff here. Let me just kind of go through and unpack some of the things that Jesus is saying, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this verse about out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The context for Jesus' teaching is a scuffle between him and the Pharisees. Jesus had just cast out a demon from someone who was blind and mute. They couldn't speak. And as he does this, the crowd is amazed and starts to wonder if Jesus is in fact the Messiah. The Pharisees, who've been concerned with Jesus for some time and have been kind of following him around and arguing with him about everything that he does, are right there again. And their comment to the crowd is that Jesus is not the Messiah, but rather he's Beelzebub, or the ruler of the demonic world. Now, let me just say a couple of things about all of these verses. First of all, Jesus has a little fun with them. Jesus almost seems to have a little bit of a sense of humor for this crowd of people that are criticizing him. The crowd's wondering if Jesus is in fact the Messiah, the one God promised to send, and the Pharisees are basically saying, no, Jesus is the prince of demons, and uh, he's casting out demons using demons. Jesus finds this humorous, as only Jesus can do. And he basically says to him, do you really think that I am using demons to cast out demons? Am I using Satan to cast out Satan? Jesus is saying, do you think Satan is that stupid? He then goes on and says, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, who do your people drive them out by? Because the Pharisees themselves had the practice of driving out demons also. And so he says, if I'm doing it by Satan, what are your people doing it by? He's sticking it to them a little bit. Now, just a quick time out. I know we live in a very sophisticated and modern world today. And people might read this passage and wonder, in fact, if Satan is real, if evil is real today, and if there are such a thing as demons. And I say to you that they are. Just as the power of Christ is at work in people's lives, so we also see the power of evil at work in people's eyes. And Satan would love nothing more from you than to both distract you, confuse you, and undo the work of Jesus in your life. And as he's addressing these people, he gives us this beautiful image. He gives us this image of a strong man who has a house, and in his house are captives. And he says, Jesus goes into the strong man's house, ties him up, and in my distorted imagination, I picture, mocks him a little, and sets free everybody who's been captive inside of the house, just as he has done to the blind and mute man in this passage. We're going to come back to that image. Let me just say something about those difficult words in those verses as well, where Jesus says, anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age or in the age to come. I know this verse, it's created a lot of angst in people's hearts as they've worried about their own salvation. Let me just make a couple of comments. First, let's remember the context. There are a group of religious people who have seen Jesus ministering to somebody in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they do not recognize it. Instead, they think it is the power of the evil one at work. Not only that, but they are trying to undo the very work that Jesus is trying to do in people's lives. It's interesting in this passage, Jesus says, people who blaspheme against me It'll be, they will be forgiven, but people who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there'll be no forgiveness for them. What's he saying here? 
Well, remember, Jesus was not what people expected. They had been waiting for and anticipating a Messiah to come. And when Jesus came, he was not what they expected. Even John the Baptist, who after years of following and serving Jesus while he's in prison, sends a messenger to Jesus and asks him what? Are you the one? Because in John's mind, he was still had questions. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, look, I understand I wasn't what you anticipated. There's forgiveness for those of you who blaspheme against me, who doubt if I'm really the Messiah. But there's gonna come a day, and he's pointing here to, to after his resurrection, that when I'm resurrected and the Holy Spirit makes it crystal clear that I am the Messiah. There's gonna come a day when the Holy Spirit opens your heart and shows you exactly who I am. And in that time and on that day, when you have absolute clarity that I am the Messiah and you choose to not just walk away from me, but then also to undo the very work that I am trying to do in this world, there will be no forgiveness for you. In the same way that someone who chooses to walk away from Christ with their life, Jesus says there's no forgiveness to you in that moment. These are serious words. They remind me again of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. There were some children who were coming to him and the disciples tried to shoo them away. And Jesus said this to them, whoever welcomes a child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes these little kids who believe in me to sin, it would be better for them to take a large stone hanging around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Let me just make one more comment. If you have kind of ever wondered, have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Let me appeal to you with two authors way greater than I, Augustine from, and Luther, from, from these kind of saints from the church who both said this. If you are deeply concerned that you have committed the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit, you have not. For the spirit of the sin is an unworried, pretentious, unwillingness to repent when God reveals his son to you. So, how is all this caught up in this theme verse that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks? Jesus with humor and with edge is saying, excuse me, gentlemen, your heart is showing. You're speaking and I'm seeing what's in your heart. Jesus is not just upset about their theology. He's upset about the contents of their heart. He's not taking issue just with their inability to discern, is this good or is this evil? He's upset about what, he, what they are saying because he sees what's in the contents of their heart. Look, when I walked out of the grocery store that day, what concerned me was not just that I'd been hurtful to a store employee, but that capacity was still within me and readily available at short notice to be so hurtful to somebody. Jesus says the issue is not with your speech. It's with the contents of your heart. Now, we have all kinds of experiences that we go through in life that help us get a better sense of the contents of our heart. May I suggest to you that stress and tiredness are two of the favorite life experiences that will give you a sense of what's in your heart. Is that fair? When you're stressed and when you're tired, you are more likely to say something and it reveals kind of what's going on inside of you. Maybe I could give you an example. 
This is a lovely bottle of water. A relatively thin plastic exterior and lovely uh, clear water on the inside. Sitting still, the water stays beautifully inside the bottle, yes? If any pressure gets applied to the bottle, what happens? It spills out. Okay? The Pharisees had been working really, really hard to keep all the religious rules and to be good. They had bought into a system that said, if you obey all the rules, God will accept you. And this prophet comes along and says to them, there's grace, there's mercy, there's a new way to live. And the pressure mounted and boom, what came out of them were those words. And Jesus read those words and saw the contents of their hearts. It happens to us all the time. Maybe you just get home from work, you've got two kids to get to soccer that night, you've got a third kid, and you're rushing around trying to get supper, you're yelling at the kids to get ready for soccer, and in the midst of it, the third child says, oh, by the way, I think I've got a birthday party tonight, and we should probably go out and get a gift. Boom, right? (laughs) Stuff comes out, you say something, and it reveals the content of your heart. You're in a project at work. You're working as a team. The deadline is Friday. It's a huge project. And you get an email on Friday morning, the last day before the project is due, when you've got so much on your to-do list. And he says, look, I'm not going to be able to come in today because we're going to the cottage early. Boom, right? And you speak. When pressure is applied to life, when circumstances are difficult, we're apt to say things. And so often what comes out of us is not honoring to Christ. And what should concern us isn't just that what comes out of us isn't honoring to Christ. It's what it reveals about what's going on inside of us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But I've got good news for you today. The Holy Spirit is in the business of changing your heart. That's what God wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to change your heart. The Holy Spirit is in the transformation business. It's the Holy Spirit specialty. When someone becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit gets deposited into your heart and begins this lifelong process of transforming you from the inside out. Imagine a home renovation, if that's more helpful. You go into a house, and you need to renovate the entire thing, and you go room by room. I'm not talking about changing the paint and the wallpaper. I'm talking about being gutting it right down and rebuilding it from the inside out. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Remember verse 35, the good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him. The Holy Spirit wants to store good things in you so that when pressure is applied, good things come out. And if you want to be a serious disciple, if you want to be a serious Christ follower, then you enter into this journey of partnering with the Holy Spirit to that renovation process and cooperating and allowing the Holy Spirit access to parts of our lives so that the Holy Spirit can do what it needs to do to transform us from the inside out. Let me make three just practical or four practical suggestions if this is something that you were thinking about or need to work on. The first is this, own it. Own it. Look in the mirror and say, I have a problem. There's something in my heart that needs to be changed. 
Yes, things are tough. Yes, people can be unfair to us. But in my heart is still the capacity to be hurtful, to be angry, or to be destructive. Own it. Say, Jesus, you need to do a work in me. I want to be like Christ, and I am not there yet. The second thing, and this is like really practical, keep track of what's coming out of your mouth. If you have to have an app on your phone or write it down, keep a little notebook in your pocket, or if you have a loving, caring spouse, tell them that they can keep track of it for you, I'm sure. (laughs) What are you learning about yourself from what comes out of your mouth? What are the words saying that you're saying telling you about what's in your heart? Maybe it's telling you you've got an anger issue. When pressure is applied, what always gets squeezed out is angry stuff. Maybe you've got an anger issue. Maybe you've noticed it's mostly directed around one person. This person, no problem. This person, got all the time and the energy. This person, boom. What's going on with that person? Is there some unforgiveness there? Is there a situation? Was there a wound, a hurt? Pay attention to the things that come out of your mouth. Maybe it will reveal insecurities. I feel insecure around this person. So with my words, I'm trying to tear them down all the time and lower them down to make me feel better about myself. If you keep track of what comes out of your mouth, it will reveal to you what's in your heart. And when you have a sense of what's in your heart, then you can be more attentive to the Spirit's work of trying to transform it. Third, I would say, start meditating on some scripture. Once you find out what's going on, maybe it's anger, maybe it's insecurities, find some passages of scripture that you would commit to memory, put them as your screensaver, tape them on your filing cabinet, that you will read again and again and again to reshape your mind and your thinking. And here's what's gonna go happen. You're gonna be in a situation where the pressure comes And the Holy Spirit is going to bring a passage of Scripture to your mind in that moment that will help you in that time of temptation. Lastly, the good news. You ready for good news? This is a marathon, not a sprint. If you start today, you will not be finished by Thursday. You are committing to a lifestyle of paying attention to the Holy Spirit's activity in your life in refining you again and again to become like Jesus Christ. And the Spirit will do that work as you surrender and allow the Spirit access to your life. And imagine this, over time, the Holy Spirit will replace those hurtful, dark, destructive parts of our heart with good. So that when it comes, and it will, good comes out. Because the Holy Spirit has been storing up in your heart good. And when pressure comes and when life falls apart and there's challenges and difficulty, the Spirit will bring good things out. Can you imagine if you have a reputation for being hurtful or mean or tearing people down or angry, if suddenly you had a reputation for someone who spoke good? Because the Holy Spirit's been at work in your life. That in stressful situations, in a time when you could normally just bite someone's head off, you had good to offer. In moments previously when you would have been so jealous, but now in that same situation, good comes out. When you've been mistreated, 
that God could actually use you in that difficult situation as a force for good, not for revenge. Or horror of horrors, when you're standing in line at the grocery store and the debit machine is down. You would say, hey, I bet this has been a frustrating day for you. Thanks for hanging in there. And I hope that when you get home tonight, you can relax. The image that strikes me in this passage is that of Jesus going into the strong man's house, tying him up, and setting people free. And that's what's at the heart of this passage. Jesus wants to set you free. And as you commit to being his disciple and taking this process seriously, he will do just that. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that you love us enough to give us those moments to show us what's really in our hearts. And we can choose to be discouraged and beat ourselves up and quit and call ourselves a loser. We can own it, pay attention to it, allow your Holy Spirit to begin a transforming work in us from the inside out. And so, Lord, today we thank you that you love us enough that you want to store good in our hearts. And that it could actually be possible that we could live a life where when pressures come and difficulties come, we have the ability to bring good in those situations. We think of Jesus modeling just that for us in this story, being blamed and accused and challenged, brought healing and hope even to us here today. May we surrender to your work in us, we pray.